At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. To the end zone. For the win. He drives. All game. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Oh, there he goes. He had it up under and he's off to the races. This will be six. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Beeson's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Alongside me to preview Thursday Night Football and much more, it's Matt Humans, and you can follow Matt on Twitter at MattHumans247. Matt, we're looking at this AFC North matchup with the Browns and the Steelers. Maybe not the most entertaining or pretty primetime matchup. It typically isn't when it's a couple of AFC North teams, but... Looks like there's some betting attention here. We saw this thing open as low as three in the hook, Matt, and now you're seeing it pretty much consensus-wise, four in the hook in favor of Cleveland. Total opened about 40 in the hook, and now we're seeing anywhere from 38 to 39. Does anything jump off the page for you right away in terms of the side or total for this matchup? Well, in week one, the Steelers were a popular play with Sharps, uh, catching points on the road at Cincinnati. I think what you're going to see is a lot of people fading the Steelers going forward, especially with the T.J. Watt injury. Uh, if you noticed last week, the Steelers' defense got only three quarterback hits and uh, it had a hard time generating pressure on Mac Jones, and I think that's going to be a problem going forward because the strength of this Steelers team is going to be, I think, the uh, defensive front seven and the pressure they could put on the quarterback. And now without T.J. Watt, it's, it's a different situation. I don't pretend to be surprised by the line move here. I thought there would be Browns money off that devastating defeat to the Jets over the weekend. I saw Adam Burke of Eason pointed out that 
teams with a 13-point lead in the final two minutes of an NFL game had won 2,229 consecutive times. Oh, my God. How about that? And the Browns managed to make history again by blowing that lead. Uh, I just think there's a lack of respect in general for the, the Steelers out there and Mitch Trubisky, which I'll talk about a little bit more. But I'm not surprised to see the Browns move to four-and-a-half-point favorites. As far as the total, I would have to lean under. This looks like a 2017 type of game. But when you're talking 37 points is your prediction, and the total right now is 38 at the Westgate Superbook, 38-and-a-half at DraftKings, and 39 at Circa. Uh, there's not much room for error there. You could have a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown. I'm not going to bet it under a total that low. Uh, Danny, it's just—it's surprising to me that scoring. I don't—I don't know what your perspective on this is. And we—we we thought we were going to see scoring go up with the emphasis on defensive holding calls, uh, but scoring's been down around the league, and uh, not sure why. Yeah, it, it really is peculiar. You're right. I mean, we kept hearing so much how there was going to be this ginormous emphasis on offense and all the penalties yeah. being aided to the side of the offensive side of the ball yet here we are seeing unders 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 especially in primetime games and man i mean not only do you kind of expect that to come through with two offenses like this but matt i feel like a big piece to this game is the weather in terms of the wind which naturally affects the total and the last i checked it looks like the wind gusts could be up to 20 miles per hour and you know i was writing about this game for Beeson, and I was saying, you know, on the side of Pittsburgh, obviously I'm very familiar with Mitch Trubisky being a Bears fan, but he struggles enough as is to throw it accurately. Now put him in a condition where there's going to be 20 mile per hour winds. I think he's really going to struggle. So kind of like what you're saying and what the betting market's saying, I do think Cleveland should be the rightful favorite. But man, I mean, considering this game's probably just going to be played on the ground because you got Chubb, you got Hunt, that's their main source of offense, which Trubisky and the Steelers, Najee Harris has struggled, but I mean, at some point, who knows what they could get going. But four and a half is just kind of in an awkward spot. And um, yeah, I mean, Matt, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with in just a second, but for the overall thoughts of the game, I'm with you. The total's kind of too low to actually get involved but there's nothing that I would look to bet on it. But I do think the Browns are the right side. I just can't get there laying four in the hook at this point because it's kind of just in an awkward, ugly spot, just as this game is in its whole entity. Yeah, I think uh, what I would do if I were going to bet this game, I'm not sure I will. But if, if the Browns jump out 10 nothing, then you maybe look to lie bet the Steelers at, at an inflated number. Let's say the Steelers get out to a 7 nothing lead. You like the Browns before the game, but you didn't play it. That's perfect. Because then you're going to get a much better number with the Browns. I think that's how you have to use live betting to your advantage. If you don't have a strong opinion pregame, you don't have to bet. You can always wait and see, and sometimes live betting will set you up with a great opportunity uh, the way the game might unfold. So I think that's probably the way I would play. As far as Trubisky goes, uh, so far he's got 362 passing yards uh, through two games. And they the Steelers have really, uh, shockingly to me, Failed to utilize their wide receivers. Uh, when you look at Chase Claypool, eight catches for 44 yards. George Pickens, two catches for 26 yards. Danny, that's something that's got to change. But like you said, if it's uh, windy in Cleveland tomorrow night, the conditions are not great for downfield passing. I'm not sure this is a game where it's going to change. So I think 
in general that uh, Trubisky's getting, uh, I'm going to say, too much criticism for what's happened here early in the season. I'm more of a Mitch Trubisky guy than uh, a lot of people. And I say that there's a qualifier when I say that because if you say you're a Trubisky guy, you sound like a, a clown. <laughs> yeah, but here's, here's the deal with Trubisky. Now, this goes all the way back to the draft when the Bears and their brain trust, if you call it that, their uh, pinheads, traded up to get Trubisky with the number two pick. They didn't scout Trubisky thoroughly and understand what his strengths are as a quarterback. Mitch Trubisky is at his best when he gets outside the pocket and he's throwing on the run. He's a more accurate passer, believe it or not, when he gets outside the pocket on the move. If you try to make him a pocket passer, it's not going to work. He's not an accurate passer from the pocket. The Bears, uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, were not smart enough to realize that. That's like uh, uh, Gilligan and the skipper. They, they, they didn't realize that Trubisky was not an accurate pocket passer, and they tried to force him into being that, and it completely failed. And uh, Nagy's out of a job, and so is Pace, but that's a good thing for the Bears. Uh, also with Trubisky, if he were not the number two pick in that draft, Danny, there would be a whole different set of expectations for him. You know, it's, it was kind of unfair on the, to chart his career from there going forward because – in reality, Mitch Trubisky probably should have been the 20th pick in that draft, not the second pick. And if he's the 20th pick, like I said, you got a different set of expectations. But when you're number two, you're constantly going to be criticized for not living up uh, to that status. And it's not Trubisky's fault that those two idiots traded up to take him number two. Uh, and also that he was put in an offensive system that didn't work best for him, especially in his second year. I still think he's a, a capable quarterback. But the Steelers have got to find ways to make it work here. Right now, I don't think they're running the right offensive system uh, to tailor to Trubisky's talents. It's kind of like Kyler Murray. I'm watching the replay right now on NFL Network, and this game made me sick on Sunday, the Cardinals-Raiders game. Kyler Murray is not a pocket passer. Mm -hmm. You've got to let the kid just get out and run around and play backyard football, and that's where he's going to be a special talent. Uh, with Trubisky, he's not going to be a pocket passer. you got to let him get out, get loose and make some plays. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen against the Browns defense this week. I would look under Trubisky's passing yards total. I can tell you at DraftKings right now it's uh, 199 and a half. Danny, doesn't that look kind of high to you for a quarterback who's got 362 yards passing through two games? Yeah, I mean, 194 against, uh, who was it, against Cincinnati is what he racked up, and then 168 against New England. And I just... Here's the thing about Trubisky, too. I feel like what you saw against New England is what you're going to get on a consistent basis. 168 passing yards, 21 to 33. The reason they won that first game against Cincinnati is a credit to Pittsburgh's defense that forced the Bengals to have five turnovers, and they still barely overcame them, and they got lucky that McPherson flopped on two of the kicks that could have concluded the game. So I feel like that's really what you're going to get, again, on a constant basis with Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers team, Matt. And then especially in this type of situation on a short week, the receivers really aren't getting that many reps. You have a familiar opponent in Cleveland. Yeah, I I'm kind of with you here. I could not force myself to bet anything on an over with Mitch Trubisky unless, I, I don't know, it's got to be some crazy circumstances where the advantages are clearly there. He does have advantages with the receivers, but Matt, I feel like it doesn't matter who you put in front of him. He's not good enough to get him 
the ball on that often of a basis. And then also, I mean, this offensive line really isn't that great in Pittsburgh either. Uh, you're, <laughs> it's not even close to great. It's not even good, Danny. Uh, so that's another thing that Trubisky is going to be criticized. But you don't have a big-time running game. You don't have a big-time offensive line. So what do you really expect? Is it fair to expect that much from your quarterback? Yeah, I think Trubisky can play better, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, you got to look at the, the pieces around him as well. So far, he's got 16 of his receptions. He's got 42 completions. 16 of those are to uh, the tight end, Pat Fryermuth, and the running back, Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. And you're just really not utilizing uh, your wide receivers like you should. So I, th I think this Pittsburgh offense is going to have to undergo some changes, some structural changes for uh, Trubisky to be more successful. And I can't see it happening on a short week here in Cleveland where you have little prep time and like you said, the conditions are going to be far from ideal. So I would go Trubisky under 199 and a half passing yards. And uh, as far as the game, like I said, I would live bet it because I think that's where you're going to find the value in the number. It's, these numbers in the NFL a lot of times are airtight, and I think especially this game. All right. Well, Matt, I'll tell you what I'm rocking with for this spot. I like your thought process on both angles. But if you want anything pre-flop in terms of a side, the one that I'm rocking with, Brown's first half money line. So mm. if you get the two and a half, I know here in Illinois, Matt, there are some books that have two and a half that you can lay with Cleveland. And seldom do I want to lay a bet where it's minus a buck seventy on the Browns first half money line, but I'll explain why here. And the first reason why ultimately I'm looking to back Cleveland, aside from what we just stated with Mitch Trubisky, is because I think you're going to get a Browns team that comes into this spot just absolutely pissed off that they allowed to happen what happened against Joe Flacco and the Jets this past Sunday. They're a better team than what you saw in that game. I mean, again, like 99 times out of 100, that team is going to close out that specific situation. And it was an aberration, and somehow Joe Flacco you know, conducted that team to getting the game-winning drive, the onside kick, all of that. So I think Cleveland on both sides of the ball – but especially defensively, will be coming out ready to play because of that and because they know that they have a vulnerable quarterback in Mitch Trubisky who they can take advantage of every other snap, force turnovers with those win conditions. And offensively, this is a Cleveland team at this point that's averaging 15 and a half first half points per game. And yeah, it's a small sample size, but they're having no issues moving the ball with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Their offensive line is stout. The running backs can create space. And as long as Jacoby Brissett isn't throwing any turnovers, which he only had the one against the Jets, I think they'll be fine. That's how Pittsburgh is going to thrive. Like you saw against Cincinnati, they need to get the turnovers so they can set up Trubisky in a great field position. If you don't have that going, well, then you got to ask Mitch Trubisky to consistently get the ball a majority of the field all the way down, which we have seen he's not really capable of doing. And the Browns will have their scripted plays going on the ground. I mean, even though it's windy, doesn't matter. This is a perfect type of condition for them because they're just going to run the ball anyway. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed to minus two and a half, but I'm laying the minus buck 70. So I have that added security in case it does push, I get my money back. But more importantly, I'm doing the first half money line because of these wins. I really don't trust these kickers with the extra points and the field goals. And I could just see myself kind of getting shafted on one of these missed kicks, especially an extra point that would maybe somehow kind of come into play with the minus two and a half. So for this specific situation, I'm willing to lay a little bit more, Matt. And I'm going with the Browns first half money line, expecting them to come out firing and take advantage of the ground attack.
All right, so you're worried about a Browns kicker who missed an extra point on Sunday? Uh, either kickers, yeah, something wonky that could happen with the kickers because of these 20-mile-per-hour wins. Right, right. That, that's what I'm a little uh, little scared about here. I get it, and I think that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I said, I, I lean Browns, but I'm not going to play it. Uh, I'll root for your first-half play there, and uh, I'm actually going to root for Trubisky to play well in this game, but I, I still think the Steelers – going to have to make some changes in the way they run that offense for him to be successful. I did want to ask you one more thing about this game, and it kind of correlates with this weekend's matchup. So, Matt, I'm so for Survivor Contest, this week seems very, very tough. And a lot of people especially are kind of screwed, I'm sure, because of using the big favorites early on. And we've seen a majority of the contestants already be eliminated, regardless of what kind of Survivor Contest you're involved with. Um, going into this, I used... Thus far, I've used the Broncos last week and the week before because I used the Titans in two out of three, but the one that survived was the Ravens. So I'm looking at this week, Matt, and there's a lot of tough spots. Like, of course, you could look at Kansas City, but on the road against a Colts team that is needing a win, I don't really like that too much. And <laughs> there's just so many ugly spots all throughout. I'm almost tempted, almost tempted to actually look at Cleveland and to just get them out of the way with, I know it's a short week, maybe that plays to their advantage like we've been saying. But what scares me is that it is a divisional game early on. So, man, I I'm really stuck on Survivor this week. I'm not sure what your thought process is for week three. Okay, I'm going to gamble a little bit here. I don't disagree with you because I think these tough weeks, these short weeks are tougher on the road teams, obviously, but, you know, not like it's a, uh, <laughs> an exhausting road trip from Pittsburgh to Cleveland. Right. I think the Browns, uh, like we said, are in a uh, probably in a bounce-back spot here against the Steelers team, limping in a little bit without the best defensive player and not really clicking offensively. So I can't disagree with that. On the on the Saturday night show I do on VSIN, it's a three-hour NFL preview show. Scott Spreitzer, Will Hill have been on with me the last couple of weeks. We've talked about uh, our theoretical survivor play because I'm in the Circa Millions contest, but not, not in the survivor. And uh, the first week I said I would play the Ravens. And uh, last week I said I would play the Packers over the Bears. Now, you could say you've got to plan out strategy, Danny, for the entire season. And uh, make sure you still got teams to pick on Thanksgiving week and things like that. Hey, right. I'm just trying to survive. If I'm in the survivor, I'm just trying to make it through the first few weeks. And then I'll worry about mapping out a little bit of a strategy after that. Because if you follow these survivor contests, there's often carnage in the first couple weeks of the mm -hmm. season. And I'm just trying to get through that. Just, you know, obviously trying to survive that. And then I'll map out a strategy afterwards. Uh, so I've already used the Ravens, and the Packers. Uh, this week, believe it or not, I think I'd use the Bengals. And uh, mm. not that the Browns are a poor choice because I, I think you're you're on the right track with the Browns. Bengals are 0-2. Uh, they're, they're facing a Jets team that just uh, pulled off a miracle win in Cleveland and uh, really didn't deserve that win. That was lucky. Let's, let's, put it, let's call it what it is. And uh, I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals – going to bounce back and uh, get a win. They lost to the Jets on the road last year. You remember that game? They, they were actually yeah. embarrassed by the Jets in that game. I want to say for a defending AFC champ with a good quarterback, the Bengals bounce back. It's, this is risky. It's a risky play, no, no question. But I'm never afraid to bet against the Jets. Right. So I go with the Bengals. <laughs> I go with the Bengals as the uh, – uh, survivor play, but you're right. It's it's tough to find one that you really feel secure about this week. 
Yeah, I, I got to say, I guess Cincinnati would be right up there. It's just if you're willing to put that stock in Burrow and the Bengals to figure it out. But I, I feel like the more important thing here is the Jets coming off that high and that historic comeback. That would give the advantage more so to Cincinnati. Sure. And a team that, hey, you may not trust in any other situation down the rest of the year because you've seen what they've been capable of not doing, I suppose, and losing to Cooper Rush and losing to Mitch Trubisky. There's a game they got to win. Yeah, I'd be against the Jets. And then you're like, all right, I don't have to worry about maybe trusting them later on because maybe they are just as bad, but not bad enough to lose three consecutive in that third to be against Joe Flacco and the Jets. But yeah, man, I mean, the other popular picks are probably going to be maybe the Vikings over the Lions, but man, I don't trust that spot. Not because of what happened last week with Minnesota, but just because Detroit's going to keep it close, inevitably, it feels like. Um, the other spot could be the Eagles against the Commanders. I'm sure will be a big play for a lot of people. Uh, the Chargers against the Jags, too. Uh, apparently, Herbert is looking normal, but that game kind of scares me a little bit, too. Well, that's what I was going to talk about plays on Sunday that I like. And actually, I hate to say this because last week I was on the Jaguars against Colts. And I was talking with, I was on with Brent Musburger on Sunday. And I said, I, I hate to play the Jaguars because when I do, it usually turns out poorly. Uh, but I had to play them against the Colts. There were so many signs appointed to play on the Jags in that game. Look how it turned out. It, it turned out really well. So I'll, maybe I'll go back to the well again with the Jags this week uh, because that Jacksonville defensive front is uh, formidable. And Justin Herbert is hurting. You can see that last Thursday night with the rib cartilage injury. He suffered. And, I, yeah, I know the reports are out there this week. They're saying in Chargers camp that he's good. You know, he's a tough guy. He's ready, ready to uh, play Sunday. But Chase, you're paying Chase Daniel to be the, the backup for a reason. And if Herbert goes out there and takes a couple more big hits, you might be looking at a longer-term injury. Is it worth risking it? And even, even if he does go out there and start, which I think he will, He's uh, not going to be at 100%. I think this Jaguars team is a little bit dangerous right now. they got to have some confidence, finally have some confidence that they know how to win games after they shut out the Colts. And I've never liked the Chargers in the favorites role anyway. I think they're more dangerous in the dog role. And um, the Jaguars will probably be a play on my card this week. And that number has come down a little bit from the opener already. So you've seen some sharp money on, on Jacksonville right away. But uh, Danny, just as a quick recap, last Thursday's game, you and I broke it down here. And uh, Justin Herbert with an all-time classic performance to get a backdoor cover for Thursday night betters. That one goes into the Hall of Fame. It looked like that guy <laughs> couldn't walk. Uh, looked like he should have been pulled off the field. And then what's he do? He throws a laser on fourth down and then another touchdown pass on fourth down. That's one of the all-time classic uh, backdoor covers in uh, recent memories, I, I guess I should say recent memory, in, uh, in NFL primetime games. It looked like Herbert wasn't even going to be able to make a throw. Then he makes two perfect throws on fourth downs to get in the back door. It's almost like he was uh, inspired to get the cash for Chargers betters because they weren't going to win the game. Because obviously weren't going to win the game. And he was out there giving you everything he had just to get the back door cover. Yeah, it was ridiculous. On the one play, I guess it was third down where he could have scrambled. He couldn't even, like, right. run and then stopped. And then the next play is when he threw that dart in between two defenders to get right. the touchdown. To get the, It made no sense. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of – I'm scared to put 
stock in Justin Herbert based on what we saw. I mean, it's one thing to kind of get dinged up, but he literally looked like he was having trouble breathing, moving, all of that, and then he flipped the switch on the throw. But who the heck knows what to expect out of him on Sunday? And to your point about the Jaguars, look, they may not win a lot of games, but I think they have the offensive talent to at least compete on that side of the ball, put up enough points to cover these type of spreads, especially now that you got Doug Peterson as your head coach. As as long as the offensive line doesn't get Lawrence murdered, they should be able to, I guess, just, again, produce enough offensively to cover these type of spreads. Uh, Let's hope so on Sunday because I'm pretty sure the Jaguar is going to be on my card. And uh, that's one of the dogs I like the most. Following up on that survivor point, you said it about the Bengals. I don't really trust the Bengals in the big picture. Uh, and I was I, I said this before the season, and JBT was my co-host at the time, and he's laughing at me, laughing it off like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It's not relevant to this season. When I was talking about the Super Bowl hangover, the Super Bowl loser hangover. I don't care if it fits into the analytics model or not, and it doesn't. And it doesn't make sense from an analytics perspective. But you look at history, and a team that loses a Super Bowl comes back the next year and sucks, Okay. It happens year after year after year. And uh, that's why I'm saying I said be, be cautious of the Bengals this season. And what have we seen, Danny, uh, through two weeks? The Super Bowl hangover has become a headache for the Bengals. And even if I, use, if I use them in Survivor this week and they win, I'm not sure I'd want to use the Bengals again the rest of the year. So that's kind of, I, I guess, mapping out strategy was uh, that <clears throat> if I did use the Bengals this week and got away with the win, I wouldn't worry about wanting to use the Bengals again the rest of the season because I I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think I'm with you. I'll have some thinking to do before kickoff, but it's probably going to come down to these two AFC North teams for my pick, whether it's the Bengals or the Browns. As gross as that seems right now. I think you might be Um, right. I think the Browns are probably a slightly better play than Survivor. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, having to maybe trust Cincinnati at some point of the year, you're banking on that. They could flip the switch, and maybe they do. But, yeah, again, you're just taking it week by week at this point. So uh, Browns maybe in a little bit better spot short week at home. But we'll have to wait and see. And, uh, Matt, I know you had some other thoughts for some Sunday games. Which other spots are standing out to you? I do have one question on a game for you, uh, but I'll wait to see if you don't have some interest in it yourself already. Yeah, I'm – not even sure what the five plays are going to be on my contest cards this week. Uh, last week, I put in uh, the five plays at Circa, and I, ch- I changed one when I went to the Westgate dinner, the Super Contest. I took out the Raiders, and I put in the Cowboys. So that was a good switch because the Raiders turned in, and I still had that in the Circa card, but the, the Raiders were the most gut-wrenching loss I think I've had in the NFL in quite a while. How many fourth downs did Kyler Murray convert? Uh, probably it seemed like – 10 uh just to keep the cardinals alive in that game and then when it looked like the the turnovers in overtime and then when it looked like the raiders had won the game 23 to 15 fourth down he throws an incompletion that little flag sign pops up in the bottom right hand corner (laughs) and you see the replay and there's no hold it was a phantom flag by the officials Mm -hmm. just makes you sick to see sometimes how these games come down there the random results sometimes and the officiating so inconsistent but i'm done with that rant I think it's going to be hard to resist the Ravens for a lot of people this week. I'm seeing ticket counts already uh, around 90% on the Ravens against the Patriots. I don't like road favorites in the NFL. I think the two popular plays for a lot of people are going to be the Ravens minus three at New England. 
and the Bills, who opened minus four, and uh, that price I believe is up to six. I'm gonna double check as we're uh, speaking right now. Yeah, six and a half or six, pretty much. Yeah, you're right. You know what's crazy about the Bills is uh, 20 consecutive regular regular season wins by double digits. You don't see that in the NFL. You just do not see that. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm not gonna bet against the Bills. I'm not gonna be on them either. I'm tempted to play the Panthers as home dogs against the Saints. Uh, one thing I've seen with uh, Jameis Winston already is uh, poor decision making. He's trying to force throws, and you can't turn it over as a quarterback in this league and survive. And the Panthers right now are going to be hungry home dogs at 0-2 off of two narrow losses. Uh, so I'm looking at the Panthers as home dogs. I don't even want to think about the Raiders right now, the Raiders-Titans game, so I'm going to pass on that for the moment. Uh, but I did like the Cowboys, and uh, I got to tell you, I think Cooper Rush is going to be okay at quarterback, and I've, I've always kind of liked him since he was an undrafted uh, free agent. Back in the day, I used to call him a poor man's Tony Romo. Uh, but Cooper Rush is good enough for the Cowboys to win with, and I think the Giants have uh, you know, been a little bit fortunate, let's put it that way, to be yeah. 2-0. At this point, the Cowboys are 9-1 and one in the last 10 games between these teams. Uh, one thing that Dallas defense is doing well is pressuring the quarterback. And Daniel Jones has not been under a lot of pressure so far. Uh, but we've seen this number drop, Danny. The value is with the Cowboys at the opener, plus three. Now you're seeing one out there in a lot of books. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, but I kind of lean to the Cowboys side. And I think one of the more intriguing games of the weekend is uh, the 49ers and Broncos because mm-hmm. – Russell Wilson, not just Rusty, uh, we're going back to last season, he has not looked good. And the running game, which used to be a big part of his success, is is absent now. And that's got to be a big concern for the Broncos, aside from the fact their head coach looks like a buffoon. Another, The Broncos look like they've hired another guy who has no idea how to handle clock and game management situations. Uh, but the Jimmy G and the Niners against the Broncos, I think that, that's – Probably the most intriguing game of the week to me. How about you? I am with you on thinking that's the most interesting game with San Francisco and Denver. And it's not that I want to sweat another Broncos bet like I pretty much did with the Survivor last week with them. But now that they're catching plus one and a half, I don't know. They're tempting as a teaser opportunity up to plus seven and a half. Mm -hmm. And I do like Jimmy Garoppolo better than Trey Lance. But, man, I mean, <laughs> you just would hope that Russell Wilson would be better than what we've seen. But Hackett really is that bad and could prevent this team from making the postseason or even covering a teaser leg of seven in the hook. So the smart option maybe just to sit back and watch it or live bet it, of course. But, yeah, that one I'll be keeping my eyes on. And then the game I was going to ask you about, you probably figured, but it is going to be the Bears and the Texans matchup. And nobody's going to care about this game too much. But these are the type of spots that I was looking forward to betting with the Bears heading into the season. I'm not going to go on my rant of that I've done a million times in my thoughts on the Bears heading into the season. But look, Matt, I I think this game obviously is the one spot or one of several that the Bears look at and go, this is a must-win game. These are the games, despite them not looking forward to having a great year, need to win and should win. Now, Houston... Actually, not that bad. They're a very scrappy bunch, and Davis Mills is slinging the ball a ton. Uh, They finally got Damian Pierce involved in the run game last week against Denver, and he was pretty sufficient in doing so, and I'm sure he'll have another great outing against his Bears run defense. 
But look, uh, on the other side, Houston's defense isn't doing anything impressive. The Bears are going to kill you with Montgomery and Herbert. And I feel like after all the criticism and backlash from Fields only having, what, 11 pass attempts on primetime, you know, Getzey's going to get him more involved in this game. I think it could actually be a little bit higher scoring. It seems like the betting markets move that way, too. Um, let me double check on where it's gone to. Yeah, like 38 and a half up to as high as 40 in the hook. But, man, I mean, I'm tempted also to see if this line keeps going down in favor of Houston, like, to two. See what kind of money line price I could get on the Bears. And you know what? If I get beat, so be it. But this is a spot where the Bears should win. And I really don't think they're as bad as they were on Sunday night against the Packers offensively. That's just Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things against the Bears. Like, that's not shocking whatsoever. And we still just don't fully know what to expect out of the Bears, too, I guess you could say, because of how bad the weather conditions were against San Francisco. But one thing you do know is that this team is ready to fight, and they're going to keep going to the very end. That's the difference between Nagy and Eberflus. But let's see what the difference they can do on the offensive side is with Getze getting all that criticism post-Sunday night. The Bears have, what, Danny, 15 pass completions? That's uh, the fewest <laughs> fewest number in the NFL. I think they'll let Justin Fields kind of loose a little bit more in this game. Hey, the Packers won that game 27-10, to 10, but the truth is if the Bears get that touchdown on the run up the middle on fourth down where it's ball like mm -hmm. one inch shy of the goal line, it's a different result. All these Packers uh, betters who were laying nine and a half or ten who were acting like it was such an easy win because it was a seven. That's right. It was not. It was not. That would have been a different game. So you can't forget that when you analyze and handicap these situations. Uh, all right, so I bet the Bears under their season win total was six and a half. And when I did that, I chalked up this Texans game as a win. Uh, so, and I still feel that way, even though the Texans have played pretty well. I love your description, a scrappy bunch. Because when you call a team a scrappy bunch, that means they're not very talented, but they fight hard. And uh, <laughs> that's what we've seen from the Texans uh, so far. But I think Davis Mills is a legit quarterback, and I've felt that way for a while. Uh, but I would expect that the Bears get this win at less than three. Uh, the Bears, I think, will be my play here. I'm not sure if it's going to be a contest play, but that's I do have that written down as a, a potential play this weekend. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to add that too. Just going to wait a little bit to see if this if we can get a tad bit of a better line in that game. So uh, naturally, as a Bears fan and a better, I'll be looking forward to that one. And then I guess my last question I have for you, because I know you're kind of putting the Raiders game to the side. What are you making, though, of the Cardinals and the Rams? So three and a half is what we're currently seeing. I feel like, I don't know, you might get a lot of public betters seeing Arizona at home catching over the key number of three and what they just saw, the heroic performance out of Murray and think that that's a good price. But at some point, the Rams have to look clean. And Sean McVay has dominated Cliff Kingsbury throughout their respective careers. I don't think this game's going to get down to three. If it does, I feel like I would have to look to lay it with the Rams in that spot. Uh, I wrote this game up for our VSIN Pro subscribers this week. Sean McVay is 10-1 and against the Cardinals since 2017. The one loss was in the first month last season, and that was... Kyler Murray and the Cardinals carved up the uh, Rams defense in a 37-20 game. I, I've got some concerns about Matthew Stafford right now. 72.7% completions, uh, but he's got five picks already and pretty much a one-dimensional offense right now with the Rams offense producing only 2.7 yards per carry. I think the, the Cardinals 
accidentally found to see the secret to what their success should be last week in Las Vegas. Just let Kyler Murray run around and make plays. Danny, if you do that, how dangerous is he for a defense to try to contain? You saw it. He, that's what makes him unique. Uh, that's what, why you pay him as much as you do, even though uh, I would argue you overpaid him and should not pay him that much. Most people would say the same. But he's a special talent when he's playing backyard football and he can just run around because the, the defenders can't catch up to the guy. And it's like uh, he's like Wiley Coyote in the Roadrunner. And uh, you saw the Raiders' defense look like fools out there. There was one play where he had 20 seconds where he just ran around. Uh, and the Rams' defense has had some problems here early in the season. Bottom line is I could sit here and talk about this game for 15 minutes and talk in circles and get nowhere because, for me right now, this game's <laughs> going to be a pass. That may end up being the wisest decision so you're not just completely stressing out about watching Murray run over yeah. the place or or Matt Stafford throwing an inevitable interception. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that may be the smart call at the end of the day. But, Matt, right now, man, I mean, that's pretty much all I got as of this point. Anything else you want to add or are you pretty set uh, as of this moment? Well, we're 35 minutes into this podcast. I think that's good enough. That's, uh, <laughs> that's it. I still got some decision-making to do, obviously. It's only Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and a lot of times I feel like I make my best decisions on these NFL games by Friday. You always have one or two games early in the week you like, mm -hmm. but what it really comes down to success, whether you're in contest or anything else, Danny, you got to make the right decisions on Friday when you're, you got that short list, you got two games you like, and then you have five or six other games. You got to pick the right three games. And I, I probably won't come to those conclusions until uh, Friday night. I hear you. Well, hey, folks, if you want to hear those conclusions, make sure you check out Matt on VEASAN's Airwaves Fridays and Saturday nights. And to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber, check everything out that we offer at VSIN.com slash subscribe. A list of all of our best bets along with all the guests. You get so many different tools to help you become the best handicapper, line openers, where it's moves, the money report, pros versus Joes, and much, much more. So once again, check it out, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. He is Matt Humans at Matt Humans 247. Nothing official that he's necessarily rocking with for Thursday night, but the strong lean going with the side of Cleveland. He'll wait for an in-game spot depending on the tempo of the game, and then he's looking at Trubisky potentially under his passing yards. And as for myself, officially, I am going with the Browns on the first half money line. Minus a buck seventy. Should be a fun week. Matt, best of luck to you. Thanks as always for making some time. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Vsense Pro Football Betting Podcast. Make sure you check out on the stream prop shelf as well, covering all those props for Thursday night football. Take care, folks.